2: And a pleasure. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish sports radio, 960 WSBT. We are streaming live at WSBTRadio.com and on our free WSBT Radio app. My name is Darren Pritchett. Hope you're having a great day. It is eight minutes after five o'clock on this Monday, July the 11th of 2022. Currently in downtown South Bend, it is 83 degrees. We have a chance for some showers and thunderstorms overnight, mainly before midnight. Low of 68 tomorrow, mix of sun and clouds, a high of 80. Budweiser's weekday sports beat on the air for the next two hours. Brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. The king of beers locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend Baseball fans, this Bud's for you. By Pet Refuge's ABC Clinic. South Burnett Drive in South Bend, helping fight pet overpopulation. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger is the story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving our community while serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978. And we'd like to also mention for the first time today, you can enjoy the program with the app that is known as Twitch. It kind of started out as a gaming app where you could watch people play video games, and now it has really evolved into a source to provide live video. So if you have the Twitch app, first off, it is free to download it if you would like to get it. But if you get the Twitch app, if you'd like to watch our program, you can find it at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. So once you have the Twitch app, just search Sports Radio 960 WSBT and you will see me sitting here in our little studios just jabbering about sports every single night here on Sports Radio 960 W. SBT, so just a different way for you to enjoy our WSBT radio programming right now this will be the only show from our vast number of shows that will be available on the twitch app but you can now watch sports on the twitch app just look for sports radio 960 WSBT all this new technology I kind of feel like now Way back when, when you're a kid and your grandma, your grandpa are trying to figure out how to set the VCR. And to us, it was like a piece of cake. Oh, it's simple. And to them, it was like a foreign language. I think I have now officially reached the point of being out of my league with all the different technological advances we have to watch and listen to all the programming. So hopefully it's a piece of cake for you. Well, we have two hours of Budweiser's weekday sports beat tonight because the South Bend Cubs are going to take the day off today before they head to Peoria, Illinois, to take on the Cardinals affiliate, the Peoria Chiefs, starting tomorrow night. And you can hear the six-game series on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It sounds like they had a very competitive series against Wisconsin. The Brewers affiliate, the team they are battling for the final playoff spot, in the Western Division in this year's Midwest League. They split the six games, and South Bend has dominated Peoria so far this year, so maybe an opportunity for South Bend to pick up some ground on Wisconsin as they head to the land of Lincoln tomorrow. So with the two hours we have to work with, Here's what we're going to try to accomplish. We have our Twitter question of the day coming up in just a little bit. We'll take a look at the Notre Dame wide receiver position and how the coaching staff is trying to beef up that particular room. We have the My Five question of the day, the five individuals or groups who had the best weekend. There is some Notre Dame baseball news to get to. We have our sports wagering segment on the way here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Let's just go ahead and mention – the Notre Dame baseball news off the top, and then we'll get to a Notre Dame football topic here in just a second. But Irish Sports Daily had this particular story first, and throughout the afternoon everybody else is confirming the story that Notre Dame is finalizing a deal to bring Sean Stifler from Virginia Commonwealth to Notre Dame to be the Irish's new baseball coach. Stifler is 43 years old. And he has had quite a run at Virginia Tech. He was an assistant at his alma mater at George Mason from 2002 through 2006. He was a pitcher on that Patriot baseball team. He then moved on to Virginia Commonwealth as an assistant coach from 2007 to 2012, was named head coach at VCU in 2012. And his run as VCU head coach has apparently ended. Had a good run at VCU. He won at least 34 games at VCU each of the last eight years. And the last two years, VCU made the NCAA tournament during his tenure. They won the Atlantic 10 tournament four times, including the last two years. Atlantic 10 coach of the year in 2019. So it appears that Sean Stifler will be the new Notre Dame baseball coach after going 352 and 207 at Virginia Commonwealth. I have a feeling he is not related to the Stifler from American Pie movies, but Sean Stifler appears to be the guy replacing Link Jarrett, who became the head coach at his alma mater, Florida State, a few weeks ago. Now, Tyler Horka who you hear on these airways every Wednesday at 6.07 on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat? He has a story right now at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, that the Irish are losing their top two assistants, one being Chuck Restano, a longtime member of the Notre Dame baseball family, the Irish pitching coach for the last 12 years, apparently is now going to follow Link Jarrett to Florida State, the speculation was that Rostano was a candidate to become the new head coach of the Fighting Irish. If that story is true, it did not work out. So, Restano reportedly is on his way to Tallahassee. Knowles 24-7 sports is the one that had that particular story first. Also, Rich Wallace, the Notre Dame hitting coach and recruiting coordinator, is also going to join Link Jarrett in Tallahassee. So those are a couple of big losses for the Irish. Rostano and Wallace reportedly on their way to Florida State to rejoin Link Jarrett. Now, Rostano has great ties here. I mentioned he was a part of the Irish program for 12 years. His wife, Lizzie Rostano, is a Notre Dame softball assistant coach. They were married here on campus. But Rostano did not get the head coaching job of the Fighting Irish, so pretty good opportunity to go down to Florida State to try to reignite that great program down in Tallahassee. So according to Knowles 24-7, Rostano and Wallace leaving Notre Dame to join the Florida State coaching staff headed up by Link Jarrett. And the Irish pitching staff has taken a lot of hits due to the transfer portal. As some players who are leaving their options open, they still could come back to Notre Dame now that they know the head coach has reportedly been found. But there's a good chance the Irish are losing some awfully good talent off last year's team that wrapped up their season in Omaha at the College World Series. So there is some Notre Dame baseball news. More on that particular subject later on in this installment of Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat from Sports Radio 960. WSBT.
0: The first pitch. Uh, the first pitch of the night. And we are ready for the first pitch. Of- Into the windup in his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed.
2: Well, my first pitch to you tonight is that the Irish offensive line may not line up the way you and I anticipated. A couple of months ago, when spring practice was unfolding. Now, maybe there were some signs we should have known or could have known that changes could be on the way with the Irish offensive line now headed up by the great Harry Heestan. So, Tyler Horka, I just mentioned a moment ago, the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Blueandgold.com had a a very interesting post at blueandgold.com, and their $1 offer is still available one year of Notre Dame football coverage at blueandgold.com. I mean, 12 months for a buck, you can't beat it. You read one story, that's almost a year's worth of value right there. But Tyler posted something today that I think there's been speculation about. But maybe speculation is about to become reality when the Fighting Irish take the practice field. Can you believe in less than a month to get fall practice underway? The summer has kind of flown by, I think, when it seems like every other day we're talking about all the great news surrounding Notre Dame football recruiting. What four-star or five-star did we get today? It's a good summer. But Tyler brought up an interesting Point as he does his normally great reporting. I'll just read what Tyler posted. What's long been rumored seems to be coming to fruition. Tyler says he was told by a source very closely connected to the situation that Zeke Carell is slotted to be the starting center for the Fighting Irish this season. The guy that you and I expected to be the starting center Jared Patterson, it sounds like according to Tyler's reporting and his sources, Patterson will be moving to left guard after being this team's starting center the last three years. So if that is reality, when the Irish take the field against the Ohio State University Buckeyes, the offensive line could set up like this in front of, we assume, starter Tyler Buckner. There's a lot of assuming going on in this offensive conversation. But could this be the offensive line against Ohio State? Well, I think, barring a flipping of the tackles, that you're going to see Joe Walt started left tackle. He joined the offensive line starting lineup after the season got underway last year, and boy, did the freshman... Dazzle. He's part of a one-two punch at the tackle spots that should put Notre Dame in a position to be rock solid on the outside of the offensive line, not only this year, but in 2023. Then the NFL comes into play for Alt and Blake Fisher. But let's assume Joe Alt is the starting left tackle. With what Tyler was talking about, your left guard would not be Andrew Kristoffic. It would not be Zeke Correll. It would be Jared Patterson. You might recall at the start of last year, Correll who had spent time at center the year before filling in for an injured Jared Patterson late in the year, including the Alabama game, was moved to left guard to start last year. One of the decisions that Jeff Quinn, Tommy Reese, Brian Kelly made. Well, the left side of the offensive line had its issues very early on. Now, remember, Blake Fisher started against Florida State, got injured in the first half, and we did not see him again until the Fiesta Bowl when he was at right tackle. So the left side of the offensive line had its issues from the get-go and carried over into, gosh, a month, a month and a half into the season before finally some changes that worked were made, including putting Joel at left tackle. So Jared Patterson at left guard one year ago at this time, he was almost irreplaceable at the center position. Let's turn back the clock for a moment. Brian Kelly, the former fighting Irish head football coach met the media after the team's first fall practice. And here's what Kelly had to say about Jared Patterson. Now let's remind you, when that camp started, Notre Dame was looking to replace four members of their offensive line. The only returnee was Patterson. Patterson could have been a guy that moved elsewhere along the offensive line. I remember there was talk about, wow, he could play tackle, he could play guard, or do you just leave him at the center position where he has been an anchor for this offensive line? So one year ago in August, here's what Brian Kelly had to say about that particular thought. Quote, and this is in regard to Patterson staying at center. Quote, it's a permanent thing. He's going to be our starting center. I think as we looked at a couple of things, one, what's in the best interest of Jarrett Patterson first? He's one of the top centers in the country, and it's hard for me to take a player and really put him in a position where it could affect him down the road. He's done so much for our program. Could we be better served if he played another position? You could make that case. But I think, my feeling was, we're a good football team with Jared Patterson at center, and it helps him in the long run playing that position, end quote. So, one year ago in August, Brian Kelly felt like Jared Patterson had to be the center, and this was going to help him down the road. He was putting his best interests first. Fast forward 11 months to this conversation we're having about Jared Patterson possibly being the starting left guard for this Irish football team. It's interesting because now Jared Patterson returned to Notre Dame for one more year. Could have been in the NFL draft in April. He now has the chance to work with the professor, offensive line coach Harry Heastan. And now, with a veteran, experienced and smart offensive line coach now at Notre Dame, it looks as though. They have found a path to make this offensive line better. It basically comes down to, as we sit here from the outside looking in, what combination of offensive line is going to make you better. Is it Andrew Kristofic at left guard and Jarrett Patterson at center? Is it Zeke Carell at left guard, Jarrett Patterson at center? or could it be Jared Patterson at left guard and Zeke Karell at center. Zeke was the starting left guard to begin last year after being the team's center late last the previous year I should say and it did not go as planned. So now the thinking is apparently Zeke Carell's best position is center, and we know Jared Patterson can be one heck of a left guard. So let's go with that. Now, Christophic's kind of the odd man out right now, but don't be surprised if he's not a guy that sort of takes on the role from previous years that Josh Lug have being that Swiss Army knife that can fill in in various spots. It would not be shocking for him to be the so-called sixth offensive lineman. I mean, Christophic can play left guard. He can play right guard. Probably you could help out in some spots at the tackle spot, but I think the guard spots would be where he is most happy. Now, here's the interesting part after me reading Brian Kelly's comments. Now, according to Tyler Hork again from Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, He wrote, it sounds like Patterson is happy to make the move as well. He wants to play guard at the next level. Last year, Brian Kelly said, it's hard for me to take a player and really put him in a position where it could affect him down the road. He's one of the top centers in the country and it's hard for me to take a player and really put him in a position where it could affect him down the road. He said you could make the case that he would be better served at another position. But for whatever reason, they did not do that last year. And it makes you wonder. This is after the fact. This is armchair quarterback. But something that was talked about during last season when the offensive line changes they made took hold. With it being in Christophic joining the offensive line starting lineup. What if. Notre Dame would have put Correll at center and Patterson at guard. Could this football team have gotten off to a better start? Could they have beaten Cincinnati? It's too late for that now, but it makes you wonder if the right call was made at the beginning of last season. Again, Brian Kelly felt like Patterson at center, it helps him in the long run playing that position. YOU READ TYLER HORKA'S STORY AND HIS POST AND HE'S REPORTING PATTERSON IS HAPPY TO MAKE THE MOVE TO GUARD. HE WANTS TO PLAY GUARD AT THE NEXT LEVEL. YOU WONDERED SOMETIMES ABOUT COMMUNICATION, HOLY COW. YOU WONDER ABOUT LAST YEAR WHAT COULD HAVE BEEN HAD THE CORRECT FIVE STARTERS BEEN PLACED ON THE OFFENSIVE LINE IN SEPTEMBER. BUT HERE WE ARE, MAYBE WE HAVE ALT, PATTERSON, Carell, LUG, AND FISHER. You know, I'm not going to put Lug in pen at right guard. I don't sit in practice, don't have the opportunity to sit in practice. Even if I was sitting in practice, I could not sit there and check out fundamentals of offensive linemen. That's not in my DNA. But Rocco Spindler is a guy that is well thought of, and you just wonder if he's got a push in him in fall camp to put some pressure on Josh lugg that's what the coaches want they would love to see spindler make a move so if there's anybody along the starting five that that could be bumped out maybe it's Josh Lug the team's right tackle last year comes back for another year penciled in as the right guard but who knows what happens over the next month and once ball practice really gets rolling so again this is. Something that was talked about before, I'm glad Tyler wrote about it, that possibly we could have an offensive line against Ohio State from left to right, Alt, Patterson, Correll in the middle with Lug and Fisher. So you go back to spring practice, Zeke Carell met the media and he was asked about what does Harry Heaston try to get across on a daily basis?
1: Um, so Coach Easton always tells us to focus on one thing a day and I'm sure some of the other guys have said that, but uh just each day taking one thing that taking one you really need to work on and then you know, writing it down, taking mental reps, going in, getting extra work in and uh working on that for me it's been like my first step, uh gaining ground and then you know from there each day just progressing, seeing what you need to work on. And then working at the center um, do you feel a little bit more comfortable there? Um just depends. Like wherever you get more reps, we're gonna be more comfortable. Currently, so I've been working center, so I feel comfortable center right now. But uh, I can I can play either. Um, and
0: then
1: just in terms of the line as a whole, I guess how's that chemistry being developed at this point? Um, yeah, we're we're growing. We've gotten a lot better. There's still a lot to work on. Still a lot to improve on. Um, but we do everything together. Like we'll eat together. We'll watch film together, we'll go do extra work. Like Everything we do is together. We walk on the field, we're shoulder to shoulder. Like Everything we do, we're doing it together, which it sounds kind of crazy, but when it comes to football, like when you're on the field, it makes everything you do so much easier. So we're definitely, uh, we're rebuilding that culture of um, togetherness and it's it's awesome, it's awesome to see. Yeah, just working on uh, my game stamina, doing practice, every single rep is an opportunity to work on what I would do in a game and knowing that each rep I have is an opportunity to work on something new or whatever I need to improve on, that's, that's what I can do during that rep. So just understanding that, not trying to get ahead of myself, you know, taking it a day at a time and going from there. Uh, obviously some strong returning players coming back when you guys speak to a little bit about uh, the experience and the leadership that you guys are bringing. So yeah, so Lug's a six year guy, um, really smart, very smart football player. He's played every position on the field, so he's a very versatile player, he knows, uh, the ins and outs of the offense. Jared Patterson, fifth year, uh, captain, very good football player. You know, he's uh, he's still been with us the whole way through, and he's been doing a great job. And then, you know, being a center, like just trying to help band the guys together and lead them. Uh, just working every practice, you know, communicating, make sure we're all on the same page. Uh, it's been a good experience.
2: That was from the spring, and that is Zeke Correll. He was asked about. Cross-training between guard and center. Where does he feel more comfortable? And you got the gist there, whatever position I get to play more, I'll feel more comfortable in that particular spot. But I would bet the coaches would say he is more comfortable at the center position, and that could be his spot in the fall. Here's the good news for Irish fans. Sometimes when you have seven guys on the roster battling for five spots along the offensive line, well, do you actually have five high-end players to start? Or is this more, gosh, we just have to find somebody, and amongst these seven, we'll kind of piece it together? That's not the case with Harry Heastan's group. I think there are at least, I'll say comfortably, seven this coaching staff has no fear putting on the football field. Alt, Fisher, Lugg, Patterson, Carell, Christophic, and I'm, I'm betting Rocco Spindler, if he's not on that list He's very close. Maybe he could be that seventh guy for sure coming through with a very strong fall camp. So we'll see if this plays out. It's been a lot of speculation that the offensive line could shift around a little bit. Maybe it's Patterson at left guard and Correll at center. Fall practice right around the corner here in South Bend. And then a little matchup with Ohio State in Columbus to kick off the college football season every Irish football game on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. It is now 27 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. We'll come back with our Twitter question of the day next on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: This is the Budweiser's Weekday sports beat Twitter question of the day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: 22 minutes in front of 6 o'clock. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Good evening, I'm Darren Pritchett, live on 960 AM WSBT, live stream at WSBTradio.com, and on our free WSBT radio app, and today we are debuting... A feed on the Twitch app, which is a free download, the Twitch app. You can watch a video of what's going on in the studio. Not sure it's overly exciting, but here I am. Sports Radio 960 WSBT is what you search on the Twitch app. Let's go back to Friday's program, our Sports Beat Twitter question of the day that I posted on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. And the question was, who will be the Chicago Cubs best outfielder three years from now? Now, I did not include Ian Happ on the list. Named to the all-star team, having a very nice season, a nice bounce-back season. But I'm just assuming that the Cubs will eventually go a different direction I'm not sure they're going to want to pay him top dollar in the future. They've got a lot of interesting young outfielders on the way. So you could argue I should have had Ian Happ on the list, but I'm just going to guess in three years he will not be on this roster. So I gave you four choices. Choice number one, the Japanese free agent signee, Seiya Suzuki, who missed over a month with an injury. Came back and hit the inside the park home run in Milwaukee. So Suzuki, a guy that was signed long-term to a big deal by the Cubs is choice number one. Choice number two is Brennan Davis. 2019 Midwest League champion with the South Bend Cubs. Prospect of the year. Consider one of the top 20 prospects in all of baseball. We have not seen him play in a couple of months, had to have back surgery. I was going to say minor back surgery, but I'm not sure there's anything minor about back surgery. It was a surgery that was considered to be not as involved as some other back surgeries, and the hope is he might be playing later on this summer at A Iowa where he was playing when he got injured. But I think the plan was Brennan Davis would be in center field for the Chicago Cubs by this time in 2022, but the injury has put him on the shelf. Choice number three is a current member of the South Bend Cubs, Pete Crow Armstrong. Crow Armstrong was acquired by the Chicago Cubs when they sent Javier Baez to the New York Mets. Armstrong, a first round pick of the Mets. He's only 20 years old. He destroyed pitching at Loway Myrtle Beach. Got called up to South Bend. He has not been hitting as well. Had a nice home run of the weekend for South Bend against Wisconsin. So the numbers aren't great right now in terms of average and on-base percentage for South Bend. But you also have to factor in 20-year-old playing against a lot of older players. So there is an adjustment period. Wouldn't be surprised by later on this year if the numbers don't improve significantly. AND PETE Crow ARMSTRONG IS GOING TO PLAY IN MAJOR LEAGUE BASEBALL'S FUTURES GAME REPRESENTING THE CHICAGO CUBS. YOUR FOURTH CHOICE WAS SOMEONE NOT CURRENTLY WITH THE ORGANIZATION. IT COULD BE A BIG FREE AGENT SIGNING BY THE CHICAGO CUBS. DON'T LAUGH EVENTUALLY. THEY'RE GOING TO START SPENDING MONEY AGAIN. THEY'VE GOT PLENTY OF IT. DON'T BELIEVE WHAT THEY SAY. SO THOSE WERE YOUR FOUR CHOICES. HERE'S HOW THE VOTING UNFOLDED OVER THE WEEKEND. FOURTH PLACE IN THE VOTING. Would have been my vote. So I would have come in last place had I had the chance to vote. Getting only 16% of the vote is Brennan Davis, and I am shocked by this. I thought he would finish no worse than second. I'm not being disrespectful to the other person I'm going to mention here, but there is no argument right now to pick Pete Crow Armstrong over Brennan Davis. In time, as he continues to move up the chain, absolutely. But there's a huge difference between hitting really well at double A, moving up to triple A, then hitting high A pitching. So I just don't see any way you could vote Pro Armstrong over Davis today. Down the line, maybe. But right now, you're really projecting a long way. It's third place in the voting A player not currently in the organization. I think Aaron Judge is the big hope, but I don't believe that's gonna be probably realistic. It sounds like he wants to go to a contender, not a rebuilder, and the Cubs are a rebuilder at this time. So not currently with the organization, got 22%. The 20-year-old Pete Crow Armstrong, second in the voting. He got 24% of the vote. And the player you believe will be the Chicago Cubs' best outfielder three years from now is Seiya Suzuki. He got 38% of the vote. Interesting on Twitter, someone from Japan got a hold of my question and retweeted it with their explanation of what was going on in this poll question. They wrote it in Japanese, so I didn't hit the button to translate. And it basically said, someone from Illinois Media, well, Indiana, close enough, has put together a poll question, who's the best Cubs outfielder three years from now? And Seya Suzuki was included. I mean, they're all in over there on following their players here in the United States. So I might have got some extra votes and some extra Seiya Suzuki votes from overseas since that poll question was retweeted in the Far East. So the best Cubs outfielder three years from now, from first to fourth in the voting, Seah Suzuki, Pete Crow Armstrong, not with the organization. And wow, a top 20 prospect in all of baseball right now, Brennan Davis came in last. Brennan, you have my vote. We'll prove him wrong over the next couple of years. Thanks for voting in yesterday's question. Here is today's question. Let's take out of the equation weather weather does not matter with that said which playing surface would you rather have your favorite football team play on again weather doesn't matter three choices natural grass field turf or i could care less doesn't matter let's just play ball so again if weather is not a factor what playing surface would you rather have your favorite football team play on? Natural grass, field turf, doesn't matter. You can vote right now, tonight, or tomorrow. Just go to twitter.com and look up my Twitter account at 960 Sportspeed. Carl Spackler's blend did not make the list, unfortunately. We'll just go with natural grass. 545 is our time. Darren Pritchett with you. That is our Sportsbeat Twitter question of the day. We'd love to get your vote on Twitter at 960 Sportsbeat. We'll continue on with Budweiser's weekday Sportsbeat in just a moment on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: question five answers this is the my five Question of the day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT
2: Darren Pritchett back with you 550 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT the my five question of the day here is today's question it is who had the best weekend ladies and gentlemen this is number five all right I got to admit the first four were pretty easy to come up with the fifth I had a little issue with so I had to get creative so I apologize for the weakness in number five but who had the best weekend I'm just gonna throw out the Denver Broncos because first the team was bought by Rob Walton the son of Sam Walton the creator of the Walmart Empire so there should be a lot of cash right to spend on free agents give them those big signing bonuses right Now, former Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice is a part of the ownership group. So Denver may not win the Super Bowl this year, but there's a really good chance they're going to begin world domination because they're now owned by the Walmart empire, and you've got the smarts of Secretary of State Rice. I mean, what could go wrong? Number four, Oregon football had a really good weekend. And we have to say this because Notre Dame went hard after 2023 four-star quarterback, Dante Moore. How much time did we spend on this program talking about Dante Moore? His visits to South Bend with Marcus Freeman, Tommy Reese and the staff. For whatever reason, it just didn't work out. And kind of as expected, Moore chose THE UNIVERSITY OF OREGON TO CONTINUE HIS FOOTBALL CAREER. MOORE'S TALENTS WERE DESCRIBED BY INDIVIDUALS WHO FOLLOW RECRUITING AS A DIFFERENCE MAKER, ONE OF THOSE ELITE GUYS. SOME BELIEVE THAT DANTE MOORE IS ACTUALLY A BETTER PROSPECT THAN ARCH MANNING WHO PICKED THE UNIVERSITY OF TEXAS. IT SEEMS LIKE when C.J. Carr, the 2024 four-star quarterback, picked the Fighting Irish about a month ago. It seemed to cause more to cool a little bit on the Fighting Irish. Maybe it's absolute coincidence, but Notre Dame seemed to fall off his radar right around that very time. So Dante Moore, whether he's going to Notre Dame or not, A high-end prospect, could be a difference maker. He's going to Oregon. My question is, what's his competition going to be like at Oregon? Is that something you're going to have to start thinking about as a recruit with all the changes right now? The Pac-12 lost USC and UCLA. Who is he going to be facing every year that's going to challenge him? Who's going to make him better competition-wise? Right now, if I'm a kid, I'm trying to line up with the SEC or the Big Ten because I know for sure the competition level I'm gonna play. We'll add Notre Dame into that mix as well, even though they're not in one of the two super conferences. As of right now, they're still a part of the ACC scheduling package. So you got some good games. USC is gonna live on, Navy, looks like Stanford. Now, if they join a conference, then for sure you are gonna face absolutely Terrific competition week in and week out, but we'll see how it works out for Dante Moore going to Oregon, but I'm just wondering who's going to be his competition in his conference.
0: Okay, okay. Uh, Number three.
2: Who had the best weekend? I'm going to give it to the WAC, the Western Athletic Conference, because they are trying something absolutely different, and you could say off the wall, and I'm just intrigued to see how this is going to play out. Because as we have seen in conferences, an unbalanced schedule can lead to one team that may not be as good as the other, but have a better record because they did not play necessarily all the tough teams or played more of the weaker teams. And then when it comes to seeding for the conference tournament, this weaker team is ahead of the better team because of the unbalanced schedule. So how about this? Have you heard about this? The Western Athletic Conference is changing how it's going to seed its conference basketball tournament. The 22-23 season will see the WAC's men's and women's basketball standings be determined, not just by conference wins and losses, but also an algorithm that rewards and or punishes based on performance against all teams they face in the regular season. It's what's believed to be the first in the history of college sports a conference will seed its postseason tournament based on advanced analytics. So it's possible a team could finish with the second best record in the WAC, they could end up being seeded fifth. On the other hand, a team with the eighth best record, but with a more impressive resume could be rewarded for its degree of difficulty and earn a higher seed in the traditional conference standings. WAC Commissioner Brian Thornton, Associate Commissioner Drew Sparab, both former basketball coaches, are the architects of this particular idea. They turn to Ken Palm, Ken Pomeroy, the proprietor of KenPom.com, to CONCOCT A RELIABLE FORMULA THAT WOULD ACCURATELY REFLECT THE ACHIEVEMENTS OF WAC TEAMS FROM EARLY NOVEMBER UNTIL RIGHT BEFORE THE WAC BASKETBALL TOURNAMENT BEGINS IN MARCH. SO NOW WE'VE GOT MATH GETTING INVOLVED IN THE SEEDING OF A CONFERENCE TOURNAMENT. AND HONEST IF YOU THINK ABOUT IT, IT'S BENEFICIAL FOR THESE NON-POWER CONFERENCES THAT FIGHT TO GET MORE THAN ONE TEAM INTO THE TOURNAMENT. If you have a team that is analytically much better than another, but one is seated fifth, the other second. Well, the team seated fifth probably has a better chance to make the tournament due to analytics as an at-large over the two. And now they'll get rewarded for really good analytics. So the WAC conference tournament will be in fact a little more wacky than normal. Number two. Who had the best weekend? Wilson Contreras, the Chicago Cubs catcher, was voted as the National League starting catcher for the All Star game in Los Angeles. This is the third time in his career he's been named the starting catcher. And Wilson Contreras is having a very good year this year. His wins above replacement outstanding at 2.8. I think the leader right now is 4.3. Otherwise, a 266 hitter with an outstanding on base percentage of 384. His OPS, which is on base plus slugging, anything over 800 is great. He's at 867, 13 homers, and 35 driven in. He could have a whole lot more RBI if he was on a team that had better offensive players around him. So Wilson Contreras will be on the center stage again for the All Star game. APPROPRIATE CONSIDERING HE IS GOING TO BE TRADED BY THE CHICAGO CUBS PROBABLY OVER THE NEXT 20 DAYS AS THE CUBS CONTINUE TO RETOOL THEIR 40-MAN ROSTER Contreras IS GOING TO BE A SOUGHT-AFTER PLAYER IT'S KIND OF TRICKY WHEN YOU BRING A CATCHER ON BOARD DURING THE MIDDLE OF THE SEASON ONLY BECAUSE THAT CATCHER IS NOT GOING TO BE FAMILIAR WITH THE PITCHING STAFF AND THERE'S GOING TO BE A LEARNING CURVE of trying to understand what the pitcher likes to do in pitching sequences. If you go to another league, you got to learn new hitters. So sometimes the catcher being traded from a defensive or pitch-calling situation may not be as beneficial, but there's no doubt the bat's going to play. And to me, there is one team that could really use Wilson Contreras. And that is the Houston Astros. They have used Maldonado, who is a very good defensive catcher, but offensively doesn't bring you anything. This would be a really good addition to the Astros. Contreras isn't the greatest defensive catcher, has the outstanding arm. His analytics on framing pitches, not the greatest teammate wise he's okay not the greatest but he can really bring something to the astros so that's my bet houston acquires wilson Contreras, and finally number one who had the best weekend we got to go with a notre dame guy his name is matt veerling do you remember matt veerling Well, he is a Philadelphia Phillies outfielder, grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, and grew up a huge Cardinal fan. He was drafted by St. Louis coming out of high school, did not sign, probably because the city's too boring. He wanted to go somewhere else. And joined the Notre Dame baseball program, where he played with the Irish from 2016 to 2018. With the Irish, Veerling hit 300 with a 375 on base, and an 8.49 slugging percentage, 23 homers, 114 driven in. Due to his fine play at X Stadium, the Phillies drafted Veerling in the fifth round of the 2018 draft. Made it to the majors last year, played in 34 games with Philadelphia. Got called back up this year with the Phillies. In 48 games, he's hitting .239. 328 the on base percentage OPS at 691 three homers 12 driven in the last two weekends he had the chance to play for the Phillies against his favorite team St. Louis and he looked across the diamond into the Cardinal dugout and his favorite player growing up Albert Pujols is in that St. Louis dugout now Vierling didn't have the greatest run against St. Louis they play again tonight but right now against the Cardinals in the two series, two for 11 with four walks, but maybe more important than anything else. He had the nerve to visit with Albert pools. I think he got something signed from Albert. They spent a little time together and Albert went into the Cardinal clubhouse after meeting with him because he was so impressed with him as a person. He was impressed with his swing and batting practice. He went to the Cardinal GM, John I said, why didn't we draft this guy? I said, I did out of high school. But he didn't sign. And now we're like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense. And otherwise, what are you doing not drafting this kid out of the hometown? So Matt Veerling from Notre Dame Baseball getting his feet wet right now with the Philadelphia Phillies. And pretty cool not only to meet your idol but play against him. That's the My 5 question of the day. It is 6.02. Sportsbeat continues in a couple of moments on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
0: Off the 6 o'clock hour on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Don't you guys go anywhere. Plan to put on a hitting display. The center fielder. That boy's good. Number nine. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. A Midwest League champion. Adios! Walk-off
2: home run, Eloy Jimenez.
0: Who prefers to cheer for the birds on a bat. Adios! Goodbye, and maybe that's a winner. Here's Darren Pritchett.
2: And welcome to the second hour of Budweiser's weekday sports beat on this Monday evening. We're being brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser, Pet Refuges, ABC Clinic, the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, and Barnabys of Mishawaka and Granger. Some breaking news this afternoon. You think about the great rivalry between Notre Dame and Michigan on the football field. The great coaches from both sides. Well, a a terrific head football coach at Michigan has passed away. Michigan has made the announcement that longtime assistant coach and head coach Gary Moeller has passed away at the age of 81. Gary passed away earlier today. He spent 23 seasons associated with the Michigan football program. He was one of 11 coaches in school history to work with the program for more than 20 years. He is one of five among those 11 that served as head coach of the Wolverines. Gary was in charge of the Michigan program from 1990 through 1994. He guided the Wolverines to four bowl game victories and a record record. In five years of 44, 13, and three, three Big Ten championships, five bowl game appearances, five straight finishes, and the top 20 of the final national polls. And Mollers Wolverine set a Big Ten record by winning 19 consecutive conference games from 1990 through 1992 and winning a Big Ten title in his first season as head coach. Only three other coaches have pulled that off. Two of those, Fielding Yost and the great, late Bo Schembeckler. Also, Moeller spent a little time as the head coach at the University of Illinois starting in 1977, but after that job, he went back to Michigan as quarterback coach and eventually became head coach and had a terrific run as head coach of the Wolverines and just doing some very Quick research, just looking at 1990 through 1994, Notre Dame and Michigan met each and every year that Moeller was the head coach of the Wolverines. And let's see, 1990 in South Bend, the Irish were number one in the country and beat Michigan 28-24. Moeller and the Wolverines hosted the Irish in 1991, and number three, Michigan beat the Irish 24-14. 1992 in South Bend, Notre Dame and Michigan played to a 17-17 tie. Then in 1993, that was a pretty good fighting Irish football team, although most of these were pretty doggone good. 93 in Ann Arbor, number 11, Notre Dame turned back the Wolverines 27-23. And in Moeller's final year as head coach of the Wolverines in South Bend, number 6, Michigan, Beat the Irish back in 1994, 26-24. The great thing about the Notre Dame-Michigan rivalry through the years, outside of the one time they played in October in 2019, and early on there were some different months the game was played, but for the most part from when the series really got rolling in 1978 through 2018, it was always an early season September matchup that Irish fans – Wolverine fans and college football fans in general always look forward to seeing. So the great Gary Moeller, as announced by the University of Michigan, has passed away at the age of 81, a three-time Big Ten champion in five years as head coach of the Maize and Blue. To other coaching news, Irish Sports Daily had it first, everybody else confirming the story, including my colleagues at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. It appears the Irish have found the replacement for Link Jarrett as Notre Dame baseball coach. The story that is being posted by most outlets states that Notre Dame is finalizing a deal to bring Sean Stifler from Virginia Commonwealth University to the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. It appears that Notre Dame is going a similar route to what they did when they brought Link Jarrett from UNC Greensboro, bringing in a head coach who has had outstanding success at a, dare we say, mid-major program, VCU's in the A-10. I think that qualifies as a middle-of-the-pack conference. But the 43-year-old Stifler, like Jarrett at Greensboro, has done a terrific job. And Stifler has done it over a long period of time. They have won at least 34 games, eight consecutive seasons, made the NCAA tournament each of the last two years, four-time A-10 tournament champion, 15, 19, 21, and 22. They won a regional back in 2015 was a pitcher for the George Mason Patriots from 98 to 2001. George Mason assistant in 2002, went to VCU in 07, became the head coach there in 2012, and had a great run in that decade at VCU going 352 and 207. Now the job became available when Link Jarrett left the Irish after three incredible years as head coach of the Fighting Irish, turning around the program that was not really ever talked about from a national standpoint since Paul Palmineri left. And all of a sudden, Link Jarrett has made this program very cool again as they had a terrific start a couple of years ago when COVID knocked out the season. Then they picked up where they left off last year and got all the way to the super regional before losing to Mississippi state, the eventual champion. And then this year, The terrific road all the way through number one Tennessee to get to the College World Series, winning their first game then dropping the next two. Link Jarrett brought this program back to life, and now it's the job of Sean Stifler in order to keep this ship going. Now, his task, I think, is going to be difficult. Just when you factor in the personnel that is going to be lost off this team, Bertrand, your ace, of course, is moving on. You had a lot of graduate players in the starting lineup. And the Irish have already lost, or you would assume, lost five pitchers to the transfer portal. Now, if players have not found a new home, they can obviously come back to Notre Dame. They had to put their name in the transfer portal by July 1st in order to be eligible to play this fall. And the five pitchers, you had three guys that, We're going to be a big factor this year as sophomores, including Jack Finley, who had the four saves in the postseason. That left-hander is one heck of a thrower. Roman Kimball and Caden Aoki, all in the transfer portal. Alex Rayo, a fifth-year senior, is in the transfer portal. Austin Temple, a part of the starting rotation in the postseason, sixth-year senior, he's in the portal. So with Link Jared gone to Florida State, and if Sean Stiffler is the new head coach, he is going to immediately have to get involved in bringing in players into this program. From what I've read, I've honestly not done a lot of research, but Link Jarrett put together a really good recruiting class. Let's hope they continue on with their pledge to come to the University of Notre Dame. But the Irish are going to be a program that it's going to take a bit of tweaking in order to keep this going at least in 2023. So again, Sean Stifler appears to be the new head coach from VCU. He's 43 years old, played at George Mason, and we'll see if he brings along any of his assistant coaches. His top assistant was Rich Witten. He was hired as a head coach at Florida International last month, and Witten also was the hitting coach and recruiting coordinator. The pitching coach, Seth cutler Volts is still on the Rams' staff, so we'll see if he possibly makes the move. Now, the Irish are in need of a hitting coach, a pitching coach, and a recruiting coordinator based on a report we have from Brett Nevitt earlier today at Knowles247.com. Nevitt is reporting that Link Jarrett is bringing his two top assistants from South Bend to Tallahassee. Now, without knowing the new coaching staff, I think all of us that have followed this program will say these are huge losses. Chuck Rostano has been a huge part of this program for 12 years. It's in his blood. His wife, Lizzie, a member of the Irish softball staff, they were married on the campus at the Basilica of the Sacred Heart. And I loved talking to Chuck. He was a big hockey guy. I had never met him and went over for an interview, and I started talking, and I had not introduced myself, and he's like, aren't you the hockey guy? And that led to a 10-minute hockey conversation. We put his media session on hold as we talked hockey. Sorry to all the people that don't like hockey, then the media group, but we had some things to talk about as he's a big New York Islanders fan and big Anders Lee fan. So Rostano going to Florida State, according to this report, to be linked Jarrett's pitching coach, hitting coach, and recruiting coordinator Rich Wallace also is apparently heading to Tallahassee to be a part of Link Jarrett's staff. So two individuals, extremely important to the Notre Dame baseball program's success the last three years moving on to Florida State, and the new head coach will have to definitely do some rearranging of his roster with the possibility of losing some really outstanding players due to the departure of Link Jared, and we'll see if any of those former pitchers end up at Florida State. I'm sure the coaching staff would love to have Jack Finley come down and be their closer in Tallahassee this year as he put on a show. Man, he was as good as anybody coming out of a bullpen in the postseason, locking up that game at number 1 Tennessee, the deciding Game 3, inducing that 5-4-3 double play ball. Boy, Finley really made a name for himself. In the postseason. So, again, according to various reports, Sean Stifler from Virginia Commonwealth is finalizing a deal to become the new head coach of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. And by the way, this year, Stifler and VCU won 42 games, marking the highest total the program had had since Stifler's first full season in 2013. It is 26 minutes after 6 o'clock. When we come back, it's our sports wagering segment. We'll kick off a new week with We Going to Sizzler on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Money, money, money. Money, 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 money. Show me the money. <laughs> <laughs> we go with Sizzler.
1: We go with Sizzler.
2: Let's see if we can make some cash so we can head down to the old Sizzler for a good meal. 27 minutes in front of seven o'clock. I'm Darren Pritchett. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on 960 AM WSBT. Streaming live at WSBTRadio.com and on the free WSBT Radio app. And for the first time, we are live on the Twitch app. You can download the Twitch app and search Sports Radio 960 WSBT. That way you can tune in. Got a little camera off to the side here. You can see what's happening in our WSBT studios. Just go to the Twitch app and check out Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our sports wagering segment, we go back to Friday's program to see how my suggestions turned out. Let's start with the Astros and the A's playing in Oakland Friday night. I took the Astros on the run line. Astros minus one and a half runs at the A's. We can double our money with a win. It was plus 100, so the Astros had to win by two runs. And the Astros won by five. A good start to Friday. Houston eight and Oakland three, so we double our money right off the bat. Suggestion number two, Twins and Rangers down in Arlington. There was a lot of shades of gray in that particular game because the starting pitchers were Sonny Gray for the Twins, John Gray for the Rangers. I'm not a big John Gray fan from his days in Colorado. He's a guy I normally go against, and it was not a pitcher's duel on Friday. I took the Twins on the money line at the Rangers at minus 110. Came up short. Rangers pulled off the 6-5 victory over Minnesota. Suggestion number three from Friday, Philadelphia and the Cardinals from St. Louis. Good pitching matchup. Zach Wheeler versus the veteran Adam Wainwright. Wainwright has been so good at Busch Stadium through the years. I went against Wainwright and the Cardinals on Friday. I took Wheeler and the Phillies on the money line at St. Louis at minus 130. Wainwright did his job, but it wasn't good enough as the offense went 99. Actually, I hit the wrong button. I won that. See, that's me as a Cardinal fan. We lost, so I played the losing sound bite, but I actually won the wager. <laughs> I was so depressed we lost, I felt like I had to play the Price is Right loser button, which is kind of appropriate at this particular time. But I won the wager. I took the Phillies on the money line, and they won by a score of 2 to nothing. I can't believe I did that. All right, fourth and final suggestion. I've just been rolling with the Orioles. Don't need any analytics. Don't need any numbers. They are the most profitable team to bet on in baseball because they're normally the underdog. What do they want? Like eight in a row? Well, it worked out. On Friday, I took the Orioles on the money line against the Angels at minus 135. And the Orioles picked up the win by a score of five to four. So on Friday, with the suggestions, I went three and one. This is really strange. That is now seven straight days. I've either gone one and three or three and one. Fortunately, this was a three and one day. So that brought our weekly total to 11 and nine. For the month of July, we're still under 500 at 12 and 13. And for the season, we are plus 12. 62 wins, 50 losses, and a push. On Friday, the underdog pick, it has to be a plus wager. I went with the Tigers on the money line in Chicago against the White Sox, and it was a juicy number. I got the Tigers at plus 145. It was Tariq Skubal taking on Lucas Giolito. And the Tigers came through. Plus 145 is a beautiful win as the Tigers beat the White Sox on Friday 7-5. So my underdog picks for the year. Now 14 and 13. We'll take anything over 500 when we're going with an underdog each time. Okay, here we go with today's suggestions. We will start things off with a matchup between the Guardians and the White Sox in Cleveland. The pitching matchup, interesting. Interesting. Lance Lynn, who apparently now has unique ways to celebrate a strikeout if you did not see his last start, how can I describe it in a tasteful way? I would say he took his pitching right hand as he put his back to home plate and he grabbed a certain area and just kind of took his hand and kind of just whisked it away. I think you can probably understand the area that he was probably going near. And from there, I just don't know if I should say anything else. I'd like to work tomorrow. But anyway, he might do it again tonight. Then you'll see it for yourself. But it was it was south of the equator of the, uh, the belt buckle. We'll just say that. All right, so Lance Lynn has not been overly great. Cal Quantra, I like him. I think he's a good young pitcher for the Guardians. So tonight, as the White Sox start a huge week, four against Cleveland on the road, then four at Minnesota, trying to catch the two teams ahead of them. I'm going to go with the Guardians on the money line against the White Sox, and the Guardians are the underdog at home against Chicago. Guardians on the money line, I'll take them at minus 105. Suggestion number two tonight. The series between the Phillies and the Cardinals wrap up in St. Louis. Philadelphia has taken two of the first three. St. Louis got back to their winning ways yesterday. Tonight, good pitching matchup. Two guys that could have been on the all-star roster for the National League, but they'll duke it out tonight in St. Louis. Aaron Nola, the old LSU Tiger for the Phillies, and Miles Michaelis, the Lizard King, is on the mound for St. Louis. If you don't know why he's called the Lizard King, it's probably been six, seven, eight years ago maybe. He was in the Texas Rangers organization spring training down in Arizona. Pitchers get bored, I guess. They don't have as much work as the hitters in spring training. And apparently someone dared him to eat a live lizard. And they videotaped it, and he ate the live lizard. I mean, it was probably – Five, six inches long, and it was live, and he ate the thing. you got to be kidding me. So that's why he's known as the Lizard King. And I'm going to go with the Bayou Bengal over the Lizard King. I think the Phillies tonight beat St. Louis to take three out of four. Phillies are the road favorite. I'll go with the Phillies on the money line at St. Louis at minus 125. St. Louis does not score for Michaelis. I mean, they don't score a There's always that one guy in everybody's rotation that never gets any run support. Well, Michaelis has been that guy for St. Louis, and the fact that Nola's on the mound for Philadelphia, this might be a 2-1, 3-2 type game, which leads me to today's third suggestion. I'm going Phil's Cardinals under 7.5 total runs in the matchup tonight. I just told you they don't score for Michaelis, and Nola is as tough as anybody in the National League. Michaelis has been pretty good on the mound for St. Louis. He's not been as sharp his last couple of starts. He faced Philadelphia last weekend. I'm going to say this is going to be a pitcher's duel. 2-1, to 3-2. to two. I'll go Phillies-Cardinals under 7.5 runs. This is the underdog pick at minus 105. And the fourth and final suggestion for tonight's we going to Sizzler, Red Sox and Rays. Down in Tampa. I believe it's in Tampa. I'm going Red Sox on the money line at minus 115. Ballo, their young right-hander, top prospect in the Red Sox system, is getting the start again tonight. Didn't have a great go against Tampa up at Fenway. I'm going to say he bounces back tonight. So the four suggestions for tonight, Guardians on the money line at home against the White Sox at minus 105. Phillies on the money line a road favorite at St. Louis at minus 125. Phillies and Cardinals, total runs under 7.5 at minus 105. And then the Red Sox on the money line against the Rays at minus 115. Now to our underdog pick for tonight. It's a pretty heavy underdog. Actually had this same pitching matchup in an underdog pick last week, and it didn't work out. So why not be hard-headed and go to it again? I'm going to go with the Diamondbacks on the road. Moneyline pick against the Giants at plus 135, Merrill Kelly against Alex Cobb. Cobb got the victory the last time these two met in Arizona last week. I'll say Arizona gets some back tonight because Kelly has pitched better than Cobb throughout the year. So our underdog pick for tonight, D-backs Moneyline plus 135 at San Francisco. That's our we going to sizzler segment. The odds are from bet MGM. 643 is our time, 81 degrees in downtown South Bend. More sports speed coming up in a couple of moments on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Now,
0: the latest forecast from the WSBT Weather Center
2: we will be mostly cloudy tonight with a 40% chance of scattered showers and storms, mainly before midnight. A few strong storms possible as well with a low of 68. For Tuesday, we'll have a mix of clouds and sun with a high of 82. Mostly sunny for Wednesday with a high of 80. Then for Thursday, remaining mostly sunny with a high of 83. I'm WSBT 22 meteorologist Abby Wepler.
0: A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: 648 at Sports Radio 960 WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett. Welcome back to the program on 960 AM WSBT, streaming live at WSBTradio.com. On the free WSBT radio app, available on the Twitch app for the first time, just search Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Well, you might recall a month or so ago, When Notre Dame football picked up a verbal commitment from an outstanding 2024 quarterback prospect, C.J. Carr, from Michigan, the grandson of former Michigan head football coach Lloyd Carr. It's still very strange to think about Lloyd Carr being at Notre Dame Stadium with Irish gear on, cheering on his grandson. Now, C.J. put a Notre Dame cap on Lloyd for a photo after he picked Notre Dame, (laughs) You talk about a fish out of water. It sounds like Lloyd didn't have the hat on for very long. He's a Michigan guy. I get it, but of course he's going to support CJ and he's going to hope that CJ has a ton of success leading to success for the football team. But CJ's a 2024 four-star recruit. Leading up to that, over a long period of time, we had talked so much about A 2023 quarterback from Michigan, Dante Moore. Dante made several visits to South Bend. You might recall, I guess it would have been the spring. He spent two days in South Bend meeting with the Irish coaching staff on an unofficial visit. For a long time, it seemed like Dante Moore would end up in Notre Dame's class. They always appeared to be the leader. But one thing about Dante Moore... Unlike some recruits, he was not overly interested in broadcasting everything he was thinking, everything that was going on in his recruitment. It was honestly a guessing game at times to try to figure out where Dante is at that particular moment. Was it coincidence or not? But when C.J. Carr picked Notre Dame, that seemed to be a turning point in the recruitment of Dante Moore. Did he get turned away by Notre Dame because they brought in such a great player? Now, Dante Moore and C.J. Carr know each other, so Dante is very familiar with the abilities of C.J. Carr. I'll say this. I can't imagine that there are too many guys that are going to back away from an opportunity to compete against another great player for a starting job. You know what? If you're the type of kid that doesn't want the competition, I'm not quite sure – I really want that player on my football team. You can go somewhere else if you want the easy way out. And if you want to just go in and just win the job, ho-hum, good luck. You're probably not going to be the type of player I'm looking for. But Dante decided to go to the University of Oregon. It's a great opportunity at Oregon. I remember when he visited Oregon, he was very excited about the visit. One of the rare times, he kind of gave you a little insight into his recruitment and eventually chose the University of Oregon, and Notre Dame does not have a quarterback right now in the 2023 class. And that may not be a problem. If Tyler Buckner is the guy that this coaching staff believes he is, he can be that bridge to C.J. Carr. Now, if things don't work out, then things get a little more interesting with the 23 cycle, and they could still bring in a quarterback. But when you think about the elite guys, they're really coming off the board. Now, Alabama is in a really interesting spot. We just talked about two guys competing from different classes, possibly for the same starting job, and Moore. Well, how about this? Alabama today got a commitment from Dylan Lonergan. He's a football baseball player. 6'2210 from Snellville, Georgia, Brookwood High School. ESPN 300 has Dylan as the 62nd best player in the class of 2023. So, why do I bring this up? Well, look at the situation Alabama has created. He is the second. Top 100 overall player that is a quarterback in their 2023 class. Earlier in the cycle, Eli Holstein from Zachary High School in Zachary, Louisiana, with a family is known to be (laughs) number 59 player in the country. He picked the Alabama Crimson Tide. So number 59 and number 62 overall in the class of 2023 are both quarterbacks and both going to Alabama. Dylan said, quote, the way the quarterback room is set up, even with Eli coming in, there's only going to be four quarterbacks on scholarship when I get there. So it's going to be an open competition is what I've heard from the coaches, end quote. This is the first time since 2019 Alabama has brought in multiple elite quarterbacks in the same class. You might recall the guy in 2019 who is now at Maryland, Talia Tagavayola and Paul Tyson committed. Those didn't necessarily work out for Alabama, but when you consider the quarterbacks, they've been running out there. I think once the quarterback has been established, you see how good it is you run to the transfer portal as quick as you can. And Nick Saban, the head coach of Alabama, offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien, have been up front with Dylan that he'll have a chance to compete. Lonergan said, quote, just got to be able to compete for the job, end quote. So here we're talking about. Two quarterbacks in opposite classes competing, maybe for the same job. Well, Alabama has two guys that are elite in their class that will be competing for playing time in the future. By the way, Alabama 14th right now by ESPN. Their class ranking, Notre Dame, is number one. SportsBeat tonight brought to you by Budweiser, Pet Refuges, ABC Clinic, The Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Barnabys of Mishawaka, and Granger. Thank you so much for joining me on 960 AM WSBT, our live streams and our first attempt at the Twitch app. We'll talk Notre Dame football recruiting tomorrow with Blue and Gold Illustrated's Mike Singer. It is 6.55 ESPN Radio next on WSBT South Bend.